Hello, you're listening to Gay's Gaze, in which we're gay, and we gaze into media that's by, for, or about ladies who love ladies, and sometimes we talk about other stuff. I'm Erin, and yeah, I'm just fine. I've just become a bit more attractive. And I'm Erin, and I'm a friend to all cute girls in the world. And I'm Jenny, and we'll meet again. My girl censor is never wrong. Thank you so much for joining us this week, Jenny, and for suggesting Mercy Lago. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like I'm excited and also have to apologize a little bit, but we'll get into that. (laughs) I don't think that there are any apologies needed, actually. Good, good. We did Loveless. (laughs) That's true. After Loveless, anything, anything's uh, anything goes. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah, so Jenny is joining us. Jenny is on the podcast Battle City Broads and and now is here with us today. And we're so excited to have her. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. I've been a longtime listener and very excited. I'm a friend of Aaron's from college. Yes, me, Aaron. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? We'll never tell. I was going to keep the mystery. I was going to make him guess, but... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my co-host of the Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast I run, Ellie, was on a couple episodes ago covering Sailor Moon, and I was like, to counteract that sort of very wholesome, happy shoujo, what if I just recommend something that's gay, but also a little horrifying, you know? And I think I did yeah. a pretty good job at that. You did a perfect job, and it's especially amazing that I had never heard of Mercy Lago until you recommended it to me, and the second mm-hmm. that I took one look at it, I was like, how have I been living my life without this? I was genuinely shocked that you had not heard of it. I was I was pretty shocked. Yeah. I hadn't heard about this either. I felt mm-hmm. like I was living under a rock after you told me about this. I was like, where where have I been? Honestly, the way I heard about this was just on Twitter. Somebody posted I mean, we'll get straight into it. Yeah. Posted a picture of the main character performing oral sex <laughs> with her incredibly long tongue on somebody and was like, everybody should read this. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and they were like, oh, she's an assassin. I guess we'll get into it in a bit. But I was like, okay, I'm I'm intrigued. What's going on here? <laughs> that is a good way to start. And I mean, that is when you told me, why don't we do Mercy Lago? And I Googled it and I saw her. I was like, oh, yes. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Her extremely long forked tongue. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's <laughs> a character trait. Uh, it's funny, too, with uh, like... The Sailor Moon to Murcielago pipeline. <laughs> this very much reminded me of being in middle school and reading a bunch of like shoujo and middle school appropriate manga. And then my friend coming in with, I, I don't remember what manga this was, but it was like high fantasy party and oh my God, this guy just got his head cut off and oh no, now somebody's been kidnapped and like me in middle school being like, oh my God, like <laughs> I'm so scandalized, but intrigued. <laughs> this had like the same like, like visceral reaction. <laughs> okay. So first of all, content warnings for this episode, obviously not safe for work. Other than that, this is a manga with very, very dark themes that has kind of a little bit of everything. It's like when we did our Loveless episode, it's like we can hit on all of the big ones, but there's no possible way we're going to be able to hit on every single possible piece of triggering content or thing that could be warned about in this series. I think Mm -hmm. the bigger ones are domestic violence, sexual assault, gore, um, a lot of heavy gore, actually, like horror level body horror yeah. gore, mm-hmm. incest, pedophilia, and grooming. 
homicide, suicide, and also a little bit of animal abuse. So go in with an open mind. Sexual assault is a very recurrent theme. It happens in almost every arc, if not every single arc. Oh my god. There's some arcs where you're like, oh, it's not going to happen this arc. We're good. And then they squeeze in just a little bit. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. I feel like there's even just quite a bit of sexual coercion with that, too, because some of the arcs that are a little bit lighter on it, it's like, oh, well, Kuroko is like, Praying on like a grieving mother. Yeah. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, like her multiple times her, even. Her um, hunt for MILFs has no ethics. Yeah. No, oh no ethics at all. Also, she's so funny because like multiple times in this manga, Kuroko's like, oh, I, I'm not like gonna chase after somebody who's unwilling. And it's like, she does that all the time. <laughs> I know, yeah. cha-cha-cha. It's like, girl, please. <laughs> Yeah, every single time she sees Cha-Cha-Chan as well, it's like, yeah, shaking my damn head. Anyway, Mercy Alago is a manga series that's being written by Yoshimura Kana. He is a man who's in his mid-30s, but he uses a female pen name in writing the series. Of course. Thoughts on that? <laughs> Typical. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Like, there's some theory that goes around that I see that uh, things that are written by women that are porn or, like, under a a female pen name sell better. So something, something, maybe that's the reason. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a lot of thoughts, most of them negative. But there's one thing, I I mean, I I do really like this manga, despite it being, like, very, like, trying to be edgy and having a lot of weird shit in it. I really enjoy it. Tragically, I'm not a connoisseur of batshit Yuri. Uh, mm. But I do feel like the author does a not a good job, better than others in this genre at having like different like types of women with different body types and like yeah. all this kind of stuff and like different types of like women loving women stereotypes. And like there's definitely some like predatory lesbian shit as we're talking about, with, especially with Kuroko. But there's several side characters who are like more butch and aren't are portrayed very positively and like Mm -hmm. some other things that i'm like okay i guess i'll give you a little bit of credit but still it's it's just weird to be frank it's just weird yeah yeah i think that one thing that's noteworthy is that this manga is published in a seinen magazine Mm -hmm. so specifically the target demographic for readership is like men in their early 20s to mid 30s Yes. So if you go into it with that mentality, it's also it is being published in the same magazine, um, Young Gangan, that like my dress up darling is being published in, which I also <laughs> think says a lot. So <laughs> Oh my god. The whiplash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this kind of gave me like love life vibes or whatever that idol anime love life whatever is yeah it gave me that Mm. vibe just i haven't read that but in the sense that there there are like so many women and all the women just love each other so that like men can like male gaze at them but then it's like it makes it really gay because none of these women are ever interested in a man (laughs) yeah um young gangan does also publish the idol master manga as well so there you go interesting (laughs) yeah Yeah, they Um, they publish a lot of that type of manga from my understanding but also a little bit of just general seinen manga like they are the publisher for darker than black and for space dandy as well so, oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. But anyway, it's been published in Young Gangan since 2014. So it's been in the works for a very long time. This is part of the reason why I was like, how the fuck have I not heard of this for so many years? 
it's just slipped Yuri under the radar. With guns. It's Yuri with guns. <laughs> Literally, this is what you've been asking for. For somebody who like made that their catchphrase a little bit i never i'm 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 like blindfolded being like where's the fucking yuri with guns like not (laughs) just like feeling around in the dark like like it's right in front of you this is like a a mercy alago there are currently 20 volumes out in japanese and 18 of them have actually been translated and released in english by yen press so it is purchasable you can buy a physical copy if you're interested. Quick, quick thing is, I knew what kind of manga Mercy Lago is going to be because my local uh, like manga and anime store had it, and it was one of the series that's like wrapped in plastic, and you're not allowed to like remove <laughs> <from> <laughs> plastic. It has like three volumes, and I was like, do I want this in my house? Should I buy this? And I was like, no. Also, I was like, I don't know if I can handle this shame of being like, can I have these plastic wrapped volumes, please? <laughs> The only other thing I can think to say about Yoshimura Kana is that he hasn't done a whole lot of other manga other than Mercy Alago. This has been like his big work. He did one standalone single volume Yuri manga that sounds hilarious. Did either of you guys hear about or look up Our Tube? No. no I'm I obsessed love this summary, with this. Though. So this was the summary from my anime list. Itsuki Seto is a high school girl with extraordinary abilities who spends her time copying stunts off of YouTube together with Madoka Orihara, an airhead who is in love with her. Oh my god. Writing a Yuri wow. manga about this premise about a girl who can't stop trying to do sick YouTube stunts <laughs> is so funny. I want to read this so bad, but I have not yet. Hardcore. Holy shit. Um, Incredibly intrigued. He also contributed a one-shot to Syrup, which is a very popular Yuri anthology. But other than that, um, he's done some, like, zines, like, doujin, essentially, zines, where they're doing compilations of different fan works. And then also two Mercy Lago spinoffs, which we will talk about later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, we will. But let's get into the actual manga itself. The characters, I think starting with the characters is a good idea, and then working into the arcs, because it is so long at this point. There's currently 13 arcs published in English. They're mostly distinct from each other, but uh, when we do our summary, I'm going to focus on some of the arcs that have the more consistent characterizations or characters reappear. There's some there are some plot lines that sort of continue over multiple arcs. Um, but I would argue there's two definite main characters. The first one, who we've been sort of talking about already, is Kuroko Komori, who is a former hitwoman slash serial killer who works with the police in order to escape death row. Um, she loves big boobs, cooking, and she has the most bizarre proportions of all time. She's probably <laughs> yeah. eight feet tall, and as we mentioned, she has a, about a two-foot-long tongue that can extend and is forked and is apparently very good at pleasuring women good for her Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, yeah so she is like total sociopath does love women cute girls which i can respect uh but she is the source of a lot of kind of shitty behavior but she is really fun to watch she also has great outfits she she's really going for like the goth serial killer vibe also want to ask you guys how old do you think she is does she have a canon age she does i kind of assumed she was like late 20s just because she's killed a lot of people but it is a manga so she's probably like early 20s isn't she she is 25 i was okay, literally yeah. gonna guess 25 exactly okay that blew my mind because for some reason i was totally like she's in her 30s i don't know she no. just seems like she's in her 30s but no she's she's younger than me <laughs> and i'm assuming younger than you guys but uh, yes 
Yeah, isn't it crazy that she's killed hundreds of people? Yes. Well, actually, considering everything about her, no. Yeah. She is our definite main character. Uh, and yeah, she has a lot of sex. She kills a lot of people. Good for her. I just also want to mention that her, her canonical boob size is an eye <laughs> cup. Yes. Yeah. And then her waist is like 22 inches or something. She looks, <laughs> she's like, she's like the clamp noodle person, but with like huge ass titties. <laughs> it's fascinating because you start reading the manga and you're like, oh, like the author's just going to draw all women like this. And like, there's definitely several, but not most. I, I really like how she's vaguely like eldritch abomination looking. Like she definitely yeah. seems inhuman mm-hmm. and it's never really addressed. Yeah, I love her character design. I will say, though, I thought that a lot of these characters looked very, very similar, and it was sometimes difficult to tell them apart. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not the main four and not some of the ones that they hang out with, but the like side characters. Side characters yeah. I was like, oh, it's another like big boobed, mid height, very cute looking girl. Yeah. And I yeah. can't keep track of them. <laughs> yeah. A lot of uh, Kuroko's like temporary love interests slash yeah. partners, bed partners <laughs> yeah. um, look exactly the same. And it's incredibly hard to distinguish them. There are several times when I've been like, oh, is this the, the woman from the previous arc? And then she'll like talk to them and give them like a new name. And I'm like, oh, this is someone else. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> most of the actually important characters have at least moderately different character designs. Yeah, you but can you can tell them apart. Yeah, but there's there are quite a few characters. Um, yeah, the some o- of Rinko or not Rinko, some of um, Shio's friends too. I'm like, what? Yeah, girl yeah. who piss is this the girl who pisses herself or is this the other one? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will also say about Kuroko, she looks a lot like Midosuji from Yoamushi Petal. If, mm-hmm. if either oh, of you are really familiar with that, she looks a lot like that. That's a good comparison. That's <laughs> yeah. really good. The long tongue, the like blank eyes, the tall, lanky <laughs> figure, the like weird shapes of movement all align. Yeah. I would love to see Kuroko animated someday. I hope that they make this into an anime eventually. That would be so oh, that good. That would be so good. Another thing I want to mention too is that she has like really, really short, I don't know what else to call them except for like turf bangs. Yes. <laughs> like like the, sh- the like short turf bangs. Unfortunate, but uh, that's just, it's, it's very hard to describe her visually just besides like bizarrely inhuman and i think you touch something else with like motion even though i think the artist is really good at like i can tell she also moves like a freak which i appreciate yes yeah for yeah, sure just very inhuman Every, everything about her and it's never really touched on but very just something's off something's off yeah she kind of like wiggly like her joints are made of jelly yeah yeah she's like it's good um, speaking of something's up, but I love her anyway, the other main character who does appear in every arc is Kroko's government-assigned middle school sidekick, um, whose name <laughs> is Hinako Tozakura. Um, she's Kuroko's daughter-sister-niece figure, who in the beginning there was also some weird tension with, but I think they settled into like, oh, they have like a family dynamic. Yes. Um, yeah. But the most important thing is that she is her government-assigned getaway driver. Uh, she can drive literally everything. Over the course of the series, she drives cars, motorcycles, boats, mm-hmm. um, roller coaster cars. Just put yeah, this yeah. girl behind the wheel of anything. And even though she's, I think she's like 13, 14, and she also works for the police. Yes. Um, wow. Good for her. She has a job. The typical car that she does drive, noteworthy, is a Lamborghini Murcielago. The Lago. Mm. Yep. Yep. So that's kind of where the title comes from. So yeah, she's a getaway also, driver. Isn't, hmm? Oh, sorry. Isn't there a bomb implanted in her that if she dies, then Kuroko will die? 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's basically she is part of the reason she was government assigned is they're like, okay, Kuroko likes cute girls, so we need somebody who like works for us. Um, and is going to like sort of keep her in line. Um, so it's basically like Kuroko's driven to protect her, which pretty much immediately Kuroko, it's clear that Kuroko like genuinely likes her and likes hanging out with her. So there's not really tension in terms of like, oh, you're like holding me back or all this kind of stuff. It's genuinely like, okay, yeah, you're like going to live in my house and I'm going to cook great food for you, which, mm-hmm. uh, also something that comes up and it's very interesting because Hinako's backstory is not has not been explored yet, but I think it's coming up soon. But from the hints we've gotten, there's so, sort of three things. Um, one, she was raised in some sort of government facility and has some sort of ability or power that gets triggered when she's injured. Um, yes. Number two, her parents are dead and Kuroko killed them. We don't know why. And Hinako is not upset about this fact at all. In fact, it's part of the reason she likes Kuroko so much. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. Number three, oh, this is just, this is just cute. She has little hair buns that she wears all the time that if you've noticed, like, respond to her emotions and, like, mm-hmm. her react to, like, what she's feeling. I think that's just a fun little detail, but that's kind yeah. of a good overview. Oh, the other thing is she loves, pretty much she's driven by two things, which is she loves to drive, she loves to eat. She's always focused yeah. on, like, when's my next meal? How good will it be? Let's go. And she's very inobservant of what's going on. Like, she's very, like, driven individually. She doesn't notice when, like, violent or horrific acts happen. She's also not very disturbed by, like, seeing Kuroko, like, bring women home and, like, have sex in front of her. Like, she's just not bothered by anything, which is probably not healthy, but comes up a lot. So in addition to food and driving, she also loves praise. That's true. And attention. Yes. Mm -hmm. And... She has a lot of knowledge of marine biology. Mm-hmm. She she's, does. She's got so many skills. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing that I like about her is that she has like a chibi form. <laughs> and it seems like the other characters can like see her get smaller. It, just, and she teaches and, other characters how to do it. Yeah. At one she, point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, and then sometimes she becomes a ninja too, which good for her. <laughs> she also has a video yes. game franchise based off of her, not in real life, <laughs> but in the manga. I wish they would make that real. She's really an ace of all trades. She's yeah. got so much going on. She does. Uh, I'm also yeah, I'm obsessed with her. I'm a little mind blown. This makes so much more sense than what was going on in my head, but. I didn't realize she was a middle school student. Mm-hmm. I thought that she was like 18, but everybody kept calling her their, a child because she just looks like a child. But it makes so much more sense that she is just a child. No, I think I don't think they give an exact year, but I'm pretty sure she's supposed to be like a last year middle school student, which I'm really yeah. bad at remembering like what age in, that would in be. In Japan, it would be 14. Yeah, 14, yeah. okay, yeah. I will say the world of Murcielago is not particularly interested in in reality so having her work as a government getaway driver you're not supposed to think about too hard but there are actually some hints that there's not this isn't just a bit there there's a reason that they trust her with this job and why they sort of use her as sort of like a a morality pet like built-in morality pet for kuroko like she definitely Mm. has some associations there um chio yes the third most consistent character yet again Hinako and Kuroko are the ones that appear in every single arc two main characters um so now we're getting into more consistent characters but they don't always appear Chio is Kuroko's main girlfriend uh she is the heir to a Yakuza clan and her main 
role in the story is to sort of be Kuroko's main love interest. They have a lot of sex, though she has a lot of cool stuff going on. She's sort of managing her clan. Sometimes some of the arcs sort of deal with her, like, management skills and trying to like, manage her various forces. There's also sort of like a shadow war going on with different mafia. Uh, she's a very cool character. I, she's actually probably in my top three characters. I like yes. her a lot. Um, yeah. She's just very fun. She's like, she gets jealous easily, but she does understand that Kuroko likes to sleep around. Uh, she also has a fascinating, there's like a fascinating exchange in like this random arc. I don't even remember which one. Where somebody, one of Hinako's middle school friends uh, is like, oh, uh, like, would you love Kuroko even if she wasn't a woman? Like, are you a lesbian, basically? Would you love Kuroko if she wasn't a woman or whatever? And she was like, mm, I, I don't really think I'm a lesbian. Like, I, it doesn't really matter. Like, I just really love her big boobs. <laughs> and she's like, if she didn't oh have God. those big boobs, I wouldn't love her, actually. <laughs> she's crazy. <laughs> Which is like, okay. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up. I actually, this was something that I was thinking about with this manga a lot. It's when Shiho breaks into the Rosa Marina, I forget, the Virginal Rose compound oh, yeah. to try to save uh, Kuroko. And she's attacked by that main fighter girl who I can't remember the name of. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Narumi, because she's actually yeah. a recurring character. Well, she's going yes. by Teresa at the time, but her name's Narumi. Yes. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, Narumi is like, oh, you're here for your girlfriend, something, something, you're a lesbian. And then Shiho is like, I'm not a lesbian. She is just special, like being talking about Kuroko. And then um, there's a thought bubble from Narumi being like, that's what a lesbian is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I loved that so much because I feel like the stereotypical line is like, oh, she's just special, like, I'm not gay, like, yeah. gross. But it was, like, great to see a character being called out, like, you are a lesbian, you love a woman. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think Chio's gonna have that realization, too, as the series goes on. They're, they're creeping so. up on it more. And I will say, Kuroko definitely also has genuine, like, emotional feelings for her. They're a surprisingly yes. functional couple, all things considered. But Compared to just everybody else or every yeah. other every other literally dynamic in the entire show, they have a surprisingly good dynamic. Um, lots of funny moments just because they almost fall into like Kuroko's like, oh, I'm like the henpecked girlfriend kind of thing. But she becomes yeah. like a very different type of person around Chio. Like she becomes like way more, I wouldn't say submissive, but like definitely just kind of whipped mm -hmm. it's it's very cute actually yeah. like they have a good dynamic and clearly they have a great sex life so good for them good i for know them. my god <laughs> <laughs> apparently there was like that one gag chapter which this is so not safe for work i'm so sorry but kurogo is sleeping and shiho's like oh i i'm gonna i'm just gonna eat her out like you know and then she looks at kuroko's vagina and it's so beautiful that it knocks her out yes <laughs> oh my god i totally I forgot about that yeah it's, yeah, so, which I it's so funny too because she's like i we've been together for so long and yet i've never seen her <laughs> vagina before she yeah kuroko's a, a giver she loves to give yeah. is, what, yeah. is what is implied she's yeah, very she's giving like a stone, stone yeah yes very giving lover good for her man all right so there's one more major character that appears throughout the whole series that I want to talk about, but I'm going to wait actually till we get to the Sounds good. story summary part. Um, but there's one more. She's a child character who is actually probably my favorite character and I like a lot. 
Mm. But first, if you guys don't want to talk about any other character basics, I might hop into a summary. Sounds great. Yeah, let's get I'm into ready. it. I'm ready. All right. Yeah, so I mentioned that currently there are 13 arcs that are published in English. Between each arc, there are little like omake chapters. Usually these are one of uh, two things, sex scenes or <laughs> cooking scenes that include recipes. It's like Kuroko genuinely loves to cook and Hinako yes. loves to eat. So they're lovely little like domestic scenes. Um, and you and we get recipes too. I haven't tried any of the food, but uh, I'm assuming it's good. It Definitely, the author like very lovingly draws the food uh so i don't know just a little break between whatever horrifying things happened between the two arcs that just occurred there's this genre of manga and anime that is like guy lovingly feeding his wife delicious (laughs) beverage or food and then she explains (laughs) what the food is and then they like give the recipes and talk about like the history of the food you can tell that the creator is a fan of these series just based (laughs) on like the sheer way that he's like i just gotta shoehorn this in here a little bit like we just gotta fit in like some some food content um, yeah, it becomes a thing where uh, Hinako will only do things for Kuroko if Kuroko promises to make her food yeah. yep. in exchange for her doing it. <laughs> Checks out. I mean, good thing she's honest about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the series starts with a pretty basic introduction to the dynamics that we went over in the character introductions. Kuroko's, you know, working for the police who she has no respect for, but Hinako's sort of her getaway driver slash morality pet built in. Um, yeah, quick intro arc where we get to know the dynamics. Uh, we also get to know one of the most boring parts of the series, which is every cop, especially every guy cop, is incredibly boring and not worth remembering. It's yeah. easily the weakest part of the series. All of the cop-heavy parts are just painful. I don't remember any of their names. They're worse than some of the uh, characters that are like horrific serial killers. They commit the worst crime mm-hmm. of all in that they're just insanely boring. They're just <laughs> insanely yeah. boring. The like, only <laughs> noteworthy cop is Cha-Cha Chan and she is, Cha-Cha is like the one female cop on the force and Kuroko is like obsessed with her and really wants to sleep with her but Cha-Cha is like not interested at all. She's like, Kuroko yes. is like a crazy serial killer and I want nothing to do with her. Yeah, yeah. Chacha, Chacha is the only one worth remembering, partially because she also seems to have something else going on. Like, it's yes. possible that she is working for an overarching government force. She also has, like, a lot of conflicting moments where you can tell she's the only one that's, like, they're all very uncomfortable with having Kuroko around because she's very unsettling. But not only is she uncomfortable because Kuroko keeps trying to sleep with her, but there's something else going on that also hasn't quite been touched on. And she also has a potential past connection to Hinako. Um, so she's the only one worth remembering. So there's a fun arc. Kuroko gets to kill a bunch of kill a bunch of guys. We get to see some horrific gore. She sleeps with some people. It's good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Great, great way to start. Really starts with a bang. Yeah. The first major arc is called Murderer Party. Kuroko is invited to a fancy dress party that turns out to be a H H Ohm style murder house trap. That's laid by this old man um, and his loyal, sexy lady maid, whose name is Yukari. Uh, they basically want to kill a bunch of criminal at wa- criminals at once. The old man had a family member that was murdered, and he's basically just trying to kill the dregs of society off. So um, this murder party, murderer party, should I say, is on this isolated island. So it's split into Kuroko sort of teaming up with a couple other criminals, uh, trying to escape the house that's, you know, rigged with traps 
very nasty Home Alone style. And then Hinako attempting to get to the island. Yet again, not that she senses Kuroko's in danger, not that she's actually really worried. She's just hungry and she wants some food. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> wanted to go to the party. Yeah, she was like, I didn't get invited to the party, which is going to have all this great food. What the hell is going on? The most important thing about this arc, however, is that int- it introduces... My, my favorite character, actually, my absolute favorite character, which is Reiko, who is my butch sniper wife. Uh, I have a little <laughs> folder on my hard drive that's just like Reiko heart with like a screenshot of every time she appears on screen. <laughs> I love her so much. Her design is so good. Everything about her, phenomenal. I love her. And she's actually the main character of the spinoff, Murcielago Arana. Which is, I've only about a volume has been translated into English. I have read it. It's great. Uh, but she is a mafia sniper. I'm obsessed with her. She's very deadpan, you know, never smiles. She's so fucking hot. Yeah, I love her. You know that the mangaka knows at least a little bit about lesbian culture because he included Shane in the manga. Oh, Reiko is right. the shade uh. of Mercy Alago. There's like no <laughs> other way to describe it. That's what she is. She's like hot, sexy, shaggy haircut, like sleepy under eye look, butch. Oh my Never God. says oh shit. Everyone's in love with her. She's shade. Yes. Shane. Yes. That's what I'm saying. And so I mentioned this in the beginning when we were talking about the author. I was like, I feel like most Yuri, because a good amount, just like Yaoi is basically aimed at like sort of teenage girls, young women. Yeah. Uh, like Yuri, especially in the Seinen magazine is aimed at that, at the sort of like young men demographic. But I'm like, yeah. he, he at least knows. There's several other side characters that appear later that we'll talk about where I'm like, he's, he's at least like, I'm going to do putting a little for the gays. Just a little. I know. Yeah. Just yeah, a little. I can't wait till we get to my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> I, know who it is. I know you're a Scorpio fan. So I was like, ding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, damn it. I read like a book. <laughs> so arc two uh, is the domestic killer arc, which this is the first sort of serial killer versus serial killer arc we get. And I mentioned earlier that there's a fourth what I would consider sort of major character of mm-hmm. this series, and that is Rinko Asagi. So basically the arc actually starts with her. She's a very young girl. I think she's like late elementary school. They don't give an exact age, but she's definitely elementary school. Basically it's her discovering that her father is a serial killer who enjoys murdering women and ripping their faces off to sort of be masks that he displays in his office. So the arc starts off and she's actually kidnapped by Kuroko and Hinako, and you think, oh, um, because they are trying to sort of hunt down her father. They've identified that he is the killer. Um, the twist mid-arc is that basically Rinko realized her father was a serial killer long ago. Turns out she's kind of a chip off the old block. And she had in the past murdered her own mother and been going on a killing spree herself. She doesn't focus necessarily on young women. She actually focuses, interestingly, on dads of happy families. Uh, which, hmm, lot to unpack there. Uh, but her distinct serial killer look is that she wears what is a, it's kind of a rabbit mask, but I'm pretty sure it's actually like a stuffed rabbit that has been, the stuffing has been removed and it's been like placed upside down on her head to cover her face. Um, and she uses a giant pair of scissors usually. So she's very proficient with blades, but she is, um, very good at that. So that's sort of the twist of the arc. And it sort of, it sort of ends with two important things. One, she accidentally hurts Hinako and we see Hinako enter 
this sort of fugue state after she becomes physically injured and she ends up driving a motorcycle, hurting a bunch of people and crashing into a roller coaster in order to stop Rinko's rampage. And Kuroko faces off against Rinko's father, does kill him and takes Rinko in as her own. And basically is like, yeah, I'm going to raise her to be like basically a, a, another serial killer. But like, I want to give her a serial killer <laughs> for good. <laughs> the thing is, Kuroko definitely does not frame it like that. She's like, she's yeah. going to be my protege. And like, Kuroko doesn't really care who she kills. Yeah. But the government allows it because they're like, yeah, we can like use her powers for good. And also, I think a lot of them are surprisingly understanding. And like, yeah, she's a child who has had some very weird dynamic with her dad and like, is clearly dealing with some very horrific impulses. She shows up in the background for quite a few arcs. She has actually, she becomes sort of, if Hinako's the sidekick in terms of uh, just the getaway vehicle, we, we almost never see Hinako fight. Um, she's just getaway or sneak ninja. She sneaks into a lot of places. Rinko sort of becomes her main fighting sidekick. Uh, mm-hmm. And she's actually like developing a fighting style under Kuroko's guidance. Yeah. And then um, in yeah. like outside of the fights in the more like familial setting, if Hinako is Scotty, Rinko is mini me <laughs> to Kuroko's soccer <laughs> <laughs> Like that is literally what the, the household vibe becomes. Okay. That's so dead on. <laughs> In case you guys don't know what we're talking about, that's an Austin Powers reference. Yes. <laughs> if you're gay, you know what that is. If you're gay, you know about Austin Powers. Yeah. All right, so the third arc is another major one. This is the most insane arc. This is Actually, probably it's most not the most arc. insane arc, but I, I wish that Samantha was here for this. She would have a lot to say about the forced feminization. Yeah. <laughs> oh my arc. god. This is probably one of the ones that's it's like very difficult to talk about, but it's. It's good. Okay. Well, well. Let me just. Get it's into like it. it's. It, it was like my favorite, but then also it's so bad. But yeah. it's like you know. That's exactly how I feel. I think a major point for it is no men exist in this entire art, which is excellent. I guess we. For- <laughs> I be, but then like asterisks because whatever. We'll Let's get, get into, into it. it. Let's get into it. All right. So the arc starts starts off with Kroko basically walking down the street, and she's enchanted by. This very busty woman named Gold Marie, um, who runs a convent of basically lesbians known as the Virginal Rose. It's a world without men where cute girls get to kiss each other all the time. They sort of pair off. So basically, you join the convent of Virginal Rose. It's for women that actually particularly and explicitly have been either abused by men or like want to leave the world. Some of them have been also like dropped off by relatives. So it is a very clear like convent comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like some people are there very willingly, some people are like, you're a troublemaker, I'm going to send you to the lesbian convent. Um, <laughs> but either way, uh, when they arrive, they get a like sort of English vaguely religious name. The names are actually the names of different species of roses. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Yep. Yeah. So that's the rose theme. Yes. Ah, thank you yeah. for catching that. Yeah. So lots of rose imagery. Um, Kuroko is down for this. She's like, wow, bunch of cute girls, including she's particularly enamored with Gold Marie. So she just goes all in. Yeah. And she joins. Gold Marie has really big titties. Yeah, it's probably like one of the few people that can contend with Kuroko with titty size. A huge titties and is just immediately down to have sex with her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's putting down the signals and Kuroko is picking them up. Unfortunately for Gold Marie's little collection of gal pals, they are actually being collected as human fertilizer for Rosemary, who is Marie's force-femmed 
sibling. We find out that Gold Marie was raped as as a teenager and her her brother to help her get vengeance on the men that raped her, dressed up as a woman to like lure them into a false sense of security. Uh, and Gold Marie killed the men. But then afterwards, Gold Marie was like, I can't trust any men, but I love my brother. It's causing me like cognitive dissonance. So I'm, I'm going to force femme my brother. So sh- she does that. And her brother becomes Rosemary, who is living in the Virginal Rose convent basement and soaking in the blood of the young girls when they mature enough, basically. It's like kind uh, of a sewer, kind of a dungeon, kind of a basement. Wow, sewer. We're, we'll pick up on that later. Yeah. Keep yeah, that in your mind. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hold on to that one. And they need to do that because the forced feminization in order to keep them alive after that happened involves some kind of drug and then also like soaking up the blood. Like yes. if they don't do that, they will die. Yes. And Rosemary is very difficult. I will probably... Rosemary is clearly very out of it and has unfortunately like lost her sense of being and self. I don't even know what pronouns to use, honestly, because like you don't yeah. get... Besides that really quick background, you don't get any sense of like... Yeah, who they are. If, as a if she has any inter- yeah, who wh- like what the internal self is like at all. Yeah, and nobody ever uses he him pronouns for them. Yes. So yes. it feels it, that's why we're not using them now. But but mm-hmm. like I don't know, they're not real. So I guess. they're not real. But the whole thing is that it's it's a lot. It's like it's, it's a, a good lot. Arc. You can you definitely of course you immediately pick up on the cult vibes. And you're like something horrible is happening. It also has a genuinely emotionally upsetting because the first girl that you see get murdered to be rose fertilizer is in a very sweet relationship with another girl in the convent like they most of them pair off and they like just very wholesome and basically the one girl is like i have to leave to go back to the real world but like when you're ready to leave too let's i don't want this to just be like us being gal pals while we're in the convent i want to be with you and the other girl's like yes like wait for me and in the cult her name is ariana she actually does appear in a later arc as well um, but uh. her her girlfriend gets very tragically murdered. And it was one of the first things where I was like, the beginning of this manga, like the first couple arcs, very few. There was a little bit with Ringo, but mostly it's just like, bam, sex, bam, violence. And that was the first kind of like, oh, ow, like, yeah. damn, that kind of Tender moment, like, yeah. Yeah, it was very tender and very, it was the first death that I actually like was sad to see. I know. Ariana's little girlfriend. So just yeah, a very good arc. Seriously. And it's really tragic too, because Ariana... She finds a a piece of her girlfriend's like fingernail or like her barrette or something in the dirt. Mm -hmm. And then she puts two and two together that she was murdered. Mm -hmm. And it the end of the arc just shows her like looking at that like remnant of her girlfriend and then nothing else. And so it's very ominous. It's like, oh God, is she like yeah. What's going to happen to her? But she does show up later. Yeah. So she does. So she does. And that's one thing I will say is, unfortunately, there's too many characters to get into, but a lot of characters will pop up in, like, little roles in, in a way that I think is actually kind of cohesive. Some are good. Some are just like, oh, you're just there to, like, look hot, which is yeah. fine. I mean, And some are like, there's problem. so like many the- characters that it's like, who were you yes. again? And that's the problem <laughs> with some of the side characters, as we mentioned, is the side characters don't have super distinct designs so sometimes it's like it's me and i'm like oh you (laughs) (laughs) yeah cool i know it's like and especially when the only thing that's changed about them is that they like are wearing a different shirt and i'm like oh wait like can you put on that the shirt that you used to have on because i don't recognize you (laughs) unless you have your tits showing 
<laughs> even worse with the virtual rose girls because a lot of them yeah. you only know them by their rose names and they'll yes. show up later and because the convent gets disbanded after the end of this arc and yeah. they'll show up and they'll be going by different names and sometimes they're like oh you might have known me as Teresa but I'm actually Narumi or and I was and I'm like wait who okay okay you were from the convent okay that's fine that's actually another good point is that there is a little bit of like same face syndrome mm-hmm. so when they mm-hmm. were in the virginal rose convent they had their hair like up and then you'll see them again and their hair's down and it's like fuck (laughs) could be anybody could be anybody like honestly but i think we have to discuss the ending of this arc so besides the batshit forced feminization reveal there's also the way this arc is resolved is a kuroko's girlfriend shio basically has been like kuroko has not been hitting me up what's happening and hanako's also worried so they sneak in Shio gets temporarily kidnapped, and for a while it seems as though Kuroko has sort of been, like, literally magically entranced by Gold Marie to, like, do her bidding. So Chio's like, tied up. She's about to be, like, ch- like chopped by a scythe and have her blood drained. It gets surprisingly close, too. Um, and it just mm-hmm. seems like Kuroko sort of, like, is broken free by Hanako bumping into her, like, at the last moment. And they're able to sort of recover and kill Gold Marie. Rose Marie noticeably sort of escapes. We don't see what happens to her for a while. Um, it's also revealed, I, the, the funniest reveal is that in the end, Kuroko was never actually like in, yeah. magically enchanted or, or like mind controlled. She just didn't want to deal with Chio being angry. So she was like, I'm just going <laughs> to pretend that I'm mind controlled. And when the moment comes that's like, is a convenient time for me to be like, whoa, my mind control has gone. I'm just going to do that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but she lets Chio go through a lot before that happens. I would be pissed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it ends with Gold Marie killed, Rosemary escapes into the ether, and right. who knows what happens. I completely agree, Erin, that this is probably one of my favorite arcs with a huge caveat. Because like, it has a lot of my favorite moments. Even though a lot of the characters have same face syndrome, I do like a lot of the side characters. Yeah. Surprising amount of pathos. But um, in, in a manga full of shit that's problematic, it's one of the two things that I'm like, this is actually too much. This is too much. There's one other thing that we're getting to pretty soon. But I'm like, this is too much. I'm not comfortable yeah. with this. Yeah. I think that this is a really well fleshed out and well balanced arc. I think that the next mm-hmm. like six arcs are honestly just kind of middle of the road. My personal yes. favorite is arc 10. So I'm excited to get there. Good. Yeah, I agree. Oh. So I'm going to very quickly go through the next six arcs because I agree. There's not really much to handle. A lot of them too are more one they're more contained and don't have as much consistent characterization so for example arc four is called between the sky and i and basically it's this serial killer who is a former homeless man who has this memory of a young girl giving him a candy that sort of like helped save his life but unfortunately he's internalized that very badly so he's going around trying to find the girl that uh, gave him the candy and when he realizes that she's not the one he'll kill them so he's killing a bunch of Um, little girls. Um, And basically the arc twist is you find out this actually happened about 15, 20 years ago. So the woman that the girl that had given him the candy is now a woman and a mom of her own. Her daughter eventually gets kidnapped. And the important thing is Kuroko saves the day and immediately bangs the mom. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Which is like, which is her first, like, like literally Kuroko's first interaction with the mom is she, the mom is like, my daughter's been kidnapped. I don't understand what's happening. This is the worst thing that's happened since my husband died. And Kuroko's like, your husband's dead. (laughs) Just immediately like, oh, Oh not that that would have stopped her, but she's like, "Mm, hot widow. Okay. So just 
yeah, motivated by by nothing. But there's that no. this comic like a gag comic that's just like somebody who's like very sad and like talking to another person and they're like oh my parents are getting divorced i'm so sad and then somebody else like breaks down their door and is like your mom's single literally yeah yeah so not much more to say about that one all right, so the next arc. This is this is the ne- other part where I was like, oh no, okay, this is pushing it too far for me. This arc is called School Destruction. Basically, Kuroko gets invited to a high school where there have been various bombs going off, lots of bombs. She gets embroiled in a very dysfunctional teen romance involving a girl who is in love with basically her bully and rapist. This girl who leads a pack of like mean girls who had sexually assaulted her at one point. The other girl became infatuated with her, but that's all sort of a red herring. It turns out that the actual bomber is another person, like a gym teacher or something. It literally yeah. doesn't even matter. It's it like, literally no doesn't even matter who's bombing the school. We have to follow <laughs> these teenagers who have like the yes. rape revenge fantasy. Yes. So she gets her rape revenge fantasy. And unfortunately, these two girls, let me look up their names. I kind of blocked them out of my mind, even though they unfortunately keep fucking showing up. And I'm like, I do not want to no. see them. Hold on. Please you got stop. you got those words in the wrong order. They don't keep fucking showing up they keep showing up fucking yes yeah oh. and it's incredibly horrible but yeah okay so the girl oh two girl the two girls name the girl who is being bullied is monaco and her bully is fury f-u-u-r-i fury yeah fury and monaco so basically at the end kuroko basically beats the shit out of fury's two like henchwomen and then it's oh, like she yeah kills them oh yeah she just she just straight up yeah, kills there's them. three of them oh. and they're and she like beats the shit out of one of them and they're like we're gonna turn you into the police because you said nobody was gonna get hurt and kuroko's like oh you're right and then she kills the girl she just beat up and is like nobody got hurt somebody died though and now i'm gonna <laughs> kill the other two. Oh, and at one point too she like is playing mind games and she's like i'll spare it like you guys fight amongst oh, yeah. yourself and whoever wins like i'll spare so she's like you guys just kill each other or else i'll kill all of you so it's like the mind games begin with these teenage girls who are horrific bullies but it's like holy fuck holy fuck so it's like that happens at the end she basically encourages monaco she's like yeah you should turn fury into your like sex slave and so basically monaco who yet again is not the bomber who's bombing the school but she does have bomb experience she like sets fury up with like a bomb collar and is like yeah you're now my like girlfriend slash sex slave and if you do anything i don't like i'm gonna blow you up and it's basically implied that fury's like kind of into it it's it's yeah yeah, horrifying shit the vibes are bad the vibes are bad which it's like i finished i finished that arc and i was like okay that was fucking awful glad it's done now if you want to if you want to read this manga, that one's very skippable. That's very skippable and unfortunately, they pop up at random points for just like horrifying <laughs> little non-consensual sex blips, uh which are kind of hard to avoid and come up very randomly. So, very sorry. That's that's the one thing yeah. that I'm like genuinely sorry about it. Wish I could like give exact page numbers for when it happens because it's like it, it's horrible. Yeah. The next arc, it's a bit of a break. Uh it's unfortunately very boring. It's called Soccer of Oblivion. <laughs> And it's a it's a mafia plot. So there's some Chio content, but it's not Huriyakaza. It's a different mafia. I literally don't even remember this. Basically, the two important things that happen are it's this very complicated. It turns out it's this guy who's like trying to like commit suicide by cop in a very convoluted way. 
Um, it introduces two characters. One's name is Aiko. Uh, she's basically a secretary for this former diet member who's like also very badass and shows up, is very important in a later arc. And then it also introduces um, Ron, who is very buff lady friend of Kuroko's. My favorite. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad that you explained this, the, like, summary of this chapter, because I had no fucking idea what was going on. This one really confused me. (laughs) To be frank, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's confusing and dumb. Yeah, I did at least enjoy it. This is the one, Erin, where, like, Kanako drives her car on the train line, (laughs) and Kuroko also gets a bunch of bombs from the previous people in the last chapter and then is like throwing bombs everywhere <laughs> yeah there's lots of great moments in this arc for example uh since it's a mafia plot um my wife reiko shows up in- again and is sniping people which is fun yeah. um so the- ron sabiura is the very buff lady she's just like she's absolutely huge and just like very muscular she's got like boobs of steel she's an incredibly fucking fun character. She's a champion of an underground fight ring. And then she works as a club bartender during the day. And she's almost yeah. always in her like suit club bartender outfit. Like, you know, with like the vest. Yeah. And yes. vest and a little bow tie. So she's yeah. incredibly kind hearted. She and Kuroko have definitely slept before and are like definitely have like very fun, like friends with benefits vibes. Kuroko really just does love all women. Like she's shown interest in Reiko. She shows, she shows interest in Ron. Like she clearly loves like big boob milfs. But she's like, I just love all women. And yeah. uh, Ron is like a very wholesome, for somebody who's like, I just want to fight. Like, it's in a very wholesome way. She's like a really, she's like a breath of fresh air, especially after the yeah. last arc. She's a buff bimbo. Yes. It's so she, good. Yeah, and- she is the bimbo of the of series. <laughs> sure. Every good series needs one. Yeah, and her and Hinako, like, have the same amount of brain cells, and they share a couple, too. So they're really cute together. They just they just hang out and, like, vibe, and Hinako gets on Ran's shoulders. It's very cute. Her character design and kind of general demeanor reminds me of that Dore Hedero character. Uh, yeah, I, I have not oh, read yeah. Doro, Doro Hidoro, but I actually wanted to bring that up as a series that like has seems to have kind of similar vibes to Murcielago. Mm-hmm. I've actually not read it either, but I've seen a lot of people like be very into her. I think her name's like Noi or Noin. Yeah, it is. I was talking about her last night with my girlfriend. <laughs> You're like, oh, I know every buff lady. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew every buff lady. <laughs> oh, wow. She's anyway. she's sexy, Noi. I know. She's yeah. a great character design. We were- so. Similar Wait, do you want to know why we were talking about her? This is maybe too topical for this fucking podcast, but it's fine. Okay. We talked about politics in the last episode. We were talking about her because she lost in the first round of the hot anime lady Twitter poll, which the winner overall was Reagan from Mob, Mob Psycho. Psycho. <laughs> it's the hot woman I know I voted for him. Reagan <laughs> the hot woman poll? And the hot yes. woman, hot, women can't have anything. Yeah. Reagan, Reagan, okay, Reagan steal everything. Reagan has one top twink. He's run one top dilf. He's one yeah. hottest woman. I'm. Yeah, he, he I think he also won the milf poll. Good, deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Disagree, uh, but whatever. <laughs> it's you know what it's it's fine because it's it's like bugs bunny rules he's allowed to do anything as long as it's funny <laughs> exactly okay, exactly okay so the next arc is very short it's just called white meteor uh it's pretty boring but all i can say is it's just 
scientist infighting, parentheses, turn deadly, parentheses, turn sexual. So basically, <laughs> a hot scientist friend of Kuroko's is like, oh, this other, my rival scientist is like trying to kill me because I'm, I'm smarter than him. And they stop him. That's pretty much it. Nothing. Yeah. Unfortunately, the hot, hot scientist lady, I want to love her. Her main character trait is that she's got huge boobs and she's really sleepy, which relatable, but not a very oh, yeah. good character, to be frank. So... And she's really horny. You're thinking of the doctor? The she's autopsy the director. Fuck, so many the autopsy them. director <laughs> is the one who has the giant boobs, and she constantly That's... makes Kuroko take body shots off of her. Exactly. Her. No, this one, she she's also great. has sleepy eyes, though. She does. She's sleepy, horny-eyed. Saki, Saki, the scientist, literally is just tired. She's just tired. Okay, you're right, you're right. Which, relatable, but... Meh. Stuff starts to pick up around Arc 8. It starts to get a little better. Um, when I first read Murcielago, because um, I didn't really get into my history with this, but I actually started reading it like two years ago after I saw that big tongue thing on Twitter. <laughs> this is actually the arc where I sort of drifted off because I this arc has some good stuff, but it's a little long. But I picked it up again in excitement for this podcast, which I'm very glad because t- there's two phenomenal arcs coming up. But this arc, this arc, basically, it's called The Deep One. Uh, basically, it is Jaws style. At first, it seems like sharks are killing people. But it turns out to be a warning against the dangers of Catholicism. They go to this isolated <laughs> island. Fascinating, too, because they talk a lot about religion in this arc. And the main girl in this arc that they meet is this woman named Suiren. She's a very cute. She's got, like, um, she's, like, very tan with, like, really clear tan lines, like a dark-skinned blonde. And she's good energy. She's not a particularly interesting character, but she has good vibes. Yeah, she's a um, fisher. She basically, yeah, I like She her. basically explains, she's like, we kind of have our own version of Christianity that, like, deals with water a lot, and it has, sort of incorporates sharks, and the local nun and her, like, 50-year-old son are, who is a priest, basically run the religion. And it's, like, basically Catholicism, like, there's crosses and explicitly mentioned, which I was just, kind of threw me for a loop, but I thought was really funny. And basically the yeah. twist is that this nun, evil old nun and her son are, like, kidnapping people um, as part of experiments and all of this kind yeah. of stuff. But they only kidnap people who have confessed to crimes at confessional. Mm-hmm. Yes. Catholicism, I feel like, is a theme that is r- really prevalent not only in lesbian media, but also in mafia media. So it just makes sense mm. that it's, like, really in almost, like, a lot of the arcs in Murcielago. That's fair. One other thing is, a horrifying thing, is that the older nun, who's clearly, like, the force behind this plan to provide criminals to their scientist friend to experiment on, it's mentioned that she's clearly, like, 70 or 80, and she still breastfeeds her son. Yeah, her yeah. adult son. Oh my god. That I was, was like, no. <laughs> the arc was too normal, so they had to put that in. Yeah. yeah. They had to do something yeah. fucking weird. Uh, next arc is a Yakuza arc, so picks up a little bit. Good Chio content. It's also surprisingly good arc in terms of, like, has a good sister dynamic. So basically it's called Master Swordsman, and it is about a young woman who turns out she is being possessed by the sister, <laughs> by the ghost of her sister, um, due to some complicated <laughs> feelings they both have about, um, being, like, sword masters of their clan. I don't really have much to say about the end of this arc. Well, one thing is that I... it's revealed that it is not that she's possessed by the ghost of her sister, but it is it is that she has dissociative identity disorder well, and her sister has okay. become one of her alters. But, <laughs> but is that what's happening? Yes. Okay, that's what, yeah, that's what Kuroko says is happening, but it really does seem like she is possessed by her sister. Well, and then in a couple arcs from later... 
There's yeah. like a moment where the younger sister like gets in danger and it's there is a ghost like moment where even another character is like, oh, she's being possessed. It's very unclear what is happening. It's like, is this like dissociative <laughs> identity disorder? And also her physical ability changes so much. I think Kuroko just is very like anti-ghost for some reason. I think it's <laughs> yeah. an actual possession, to be honest. Same. That was the vibe that I got. It is weird though, because her sister's like after this master swordsman arc is like, I'm being laid to rest now. I know that you'll be safe and you'll be able to take care of yourself. And so the fact that she she turns up again is kind of like, wait a minute. It's <laughs> it literally destroys the, the whole arc. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a very sweet arc because murder isn't what solves it. It's like they actually help resolve the younger, the two sisters' issues. But you're right in that yeah. the sister, the older sister does just show up when her younger sister's in trouble and is like... Time to kill. Maybe she was possessed and then she also has DID. So her her sister's ghost is gone, but she just still has DID. <laughs> it's like we'll never know. It is a little bit funny when her sister's ghost or whoever comes back because she's like, You awoke me from my slumber. <laughs> like <laughs> I can't believe I gotta come back and protect my little sister, you stupid asshole. Like <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know how you guys feel about this arc, but kind of like the last one, both of this arc and the one before it are both not bad, but the problem is I think both of them are way too long. They don't need yeah. to be as long as they are. Like, they have some good stuff, but both of them are about 13 chapters. That's like two volumes. Like, it doesn't have to be like... Two volumes for like kind of mediocre arcs. They would have been good if they'd been more concise. So yeah. I I think most people probably peter out around this if you're like... Because like, I feel like things slow down. You lose yeah. the momentum. These characters too, they're just not as good... They haven't introduced new characters in a while. Just before we move on, the thing that I did like about this arc is in Sakura of Oblivion, Aiko has to fight Rin... Uh, Rinko? Wait. Rinko. Rinko? Yeah. The oh, Rinko. Rinko. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rinko. Yeah. And at the end of their fight, Aiko's defeated. And Aiko's like, wow, like, you're so cool. Like, I'm going to be your mom now. <laughs> And so um, the Master Swordsman arc does fill out a little more character development with Aiko and Rinko. And I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very important in the last arc that's been translated to English is that Rinko like finally has like a functional, like Kuroko is like her guardian, but Aiko serves as like an actually functional mother figure, especially considering the fact that Rinko murdered her own mother to like sort of please her dad. It's very fulfilling for her. And it's a very important relationship dynamic for the the last arc that we're going to touch on today. So yeah, you're right. I forgot that happened at the end of that arc. I honestly thought it happened like right at the beginning of the last arc, but you're totally right. Arc 10. Oh my God. Arc 10 is such effective horror. This is where we finally get a pivot from like um, yes. action mafia style content to mm-hmm. like true actual real horror. It was so good. Yeah. I, I This might be skipping ahead a bit, but honestly, if I was, like, recommending this to people and you didn't want to read, like, 130 chapters, I would recommend genuinely just reading the first three arcs and then starting at arc 10. You, there yeah. will be some things you'll miss, but honestly, a lot of, like, consistent characters and best stuff, you'll you'll get the most important Yeah, things. I totally agree that that's yeah. a quick route if you want to skip around a bit. That's a very easy way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this arc, arc 10, is called Till Death Do Us Part. And it's the return of Rosemarie. She's entering her teenage mutant ninja turtle era, and she's in the sewers of not Tokyo or wherever they are. Um, but sadly, she still craves that sweet, sweet girl blood. Um, she's also apparently fused with her sister Goldmarie's dead body, who constantly is uh, having like tears of blood drip. 
The arc starts with girls across the city being kidnapped from the sewers. It's really, really freaky. Narumi, we sort of mentioned her, known as Teresa originally in the Virginal Rose arc. She gets kidnapped and very creepily, Rosemary doesn't kill all the girls right away. She breaks their legs and then picks them off sort of one by one whenever she's feeling feeling hungry. So yeah. basically a large part of the arc doesn't have Kuroko in it. It's Narumi trying to work with these other girls and like survive the sewers and avoid Rosemary, who is basically completely feral at this point. Just like yeah, pure instinct crawling around like total abomination like a mass of flesh with like girl body parts sticking out of it basically swimming around in the sewers like a fish (laughs) like yeah two headed three arms yeah she must drink blood to survive yes very scary fast and unpredictable as well and this is very yeah. horrifying. And at first, when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is just Murcielago. I guess that just happens. Like, sometimes you just fuse with your sister's dead body. But luckily, Kuroko and Hinako and Return of our favorite buff lady, Ron, are able to help save the girls that um, were kidnapped to feed on. Um, a lot of the girls, too, it's, like, really sweet. We get, like, little character arcs for a lot of the kidnapped girls, some of whom are like, oh, I'm going to, like, learn to, like, sort of like work together as a team or getting over some of our traumas or fear and like work together and yet again all their legs are broken so they're doing this with incredibly limited mobility it's dark it's it's genuinely really it kind of reminded me of have you ever seen the 2005 movie the descent no No. what's that about it's a really good movie where a bunch of um women get trapped in a like cave system and find out that there's basically like blind but incredibly proficient like cave dweller creatures stuck in there with them so it's like very claustrophobic but a lot of them become immediately like physically injured from just like a lot of cave hopping it's a very tight cave and all this kind of system and basically it's them going like okay we're in here with like creatures that can't see but have really heightened other abilities and like we have broken legs broken arms and it's sort of like their attempt to survive but also like the dynamics they have within the group because a lot of them have existing fights or problems with each other very good movie i would recommend even though it is five women sadly it is not gay so i can't give it an official gays gays recommendation but it is a good movie (laughs) it had very similar vibes to that and was this arc is it is quite good and um, as I sort of hinted at, so the Rosemary Goldmarie abomination thing isn't just from Rosemary kidnapping girls and like that's just what happened. Something that's been happening throughout all these arcs is that all of these serial killers popping up. The police have mentioned like there's been a weird increase. There's all these weird like scientific incidents. Like things are just ramping up in this weird way. And so we finally get there's sort of an overarching villain who is this woman named Hakua. 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 Yes. She's introduced having a threesome with Ariana, the young girl who (laughs) whose girlfriend was sadly killed in the Virginal Rose Convent, as well as the sexy loyal lady maid from the very first arc, the murderer party arc. So she's introduced having a threesome with them. She has two fake arms and she is blind. Her eyes are always closed and it's implied that she has no eyeballs at all. We do not know her deal yet, but she has some sort of connection to Kuroko and is clearly sort of like the chess master behind all these things and possibly slays just as much pussy as Kuroko does. Terrifying stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So not sure what's up with her, but yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot to discuss in this arc, but it's it's good. It's good. I yeah, like it a lot. Yeah, I would recommend, honestly, if you like horror, just reading it. It's good. 
it was weird. I really liked the virginal Rose arc, so I was happy to see a lot of these characters that were introduced there return. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> I think I just, what I want is the third part of this story where we find out, like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on with Haruka. Yeah. Hakua? Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Hakua. Thank you. Hakua. Yeah, and I think that possibly there's also a connection to Hanako there. It's it's very tricky. Yes. and. It's very lightly threaded throughout all the arcs, which I have to genuinely give the author some credit for. I think he's not only good at bringing side characters back in an interesting way, it's not overwhelming. Like, you can you can read each arc sort of as an individual thing and still get things out of it, usually. But I, uh, I wish you guys so. could see the jaw drop that I just did in real life because I was Googling Hakua to remind myself what she looked like. And I accidentally found her listed on personalitydatabase.com as an INFJ. <laughs> that's me (laughs) oh my god you're just like Hakua for real wait you're an INFJ yeah is that a problem I think everyone's an INFJ (laughs) which is it's weird because they're like INFJ is the rarest personality type it's not everyone's an INFJ (laughs) what is that it's like the wizard personality type or something no it's the advocate You're the advocate. You're right. The wizard's something else. The wizard's another I one. I I don't buy into Myers Briggs, but for anyone oh, else who's curious, I'm always a solid exact fifty fifty EI split, and then solid <laughs> NF, and then exact fifty fifty PJ. So I could be any of those four: ENFP, <laughs> INFJ. Who knows? That's fair. A lot of my N and F are pretty fifty fifty. I mean, extroversion and introversion are just like the fakest concepts of all time. They so, so it's like, are. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, great. I'm. I am an introvert. Haha. <laughs> You're like it's not for me real. though. <laughs> <laughs> Arc eleven. What happened in this one again? So it's hard. At first, I was like, oh yeah, ten. I'm. I'm gonna amend my recommendation. Read arcs one through three. 10 and then just 13 because 11 and 12 are actually also kind of duds 11 is actually probably the biggest dud it's called the entertainer and it's basically Mm. it is a police heavy arc which is uh rough oh and it's basically it is kind of funny because it has like basically a serial killer who it turns out it's like this war of like people that are not actually serial killers they're just like magicians who are trying to like out magician or prank each other and one of them accidentally killed each other Honestly, I, it's not even worth getting into. There's there's just nothing. Oh yeah, this from was it. the circus arc, right? It yeah, also yeah, there's circus. It also doesn't help that the Kuroko's like conquest, sexual conquest in this arc are two related sisters, one of whom is like legitimately very into her sister, which I hate that. I don't think anybody likes incest, but I am incredibly <laughs> triggered by like sister sister incest. I fucking hate it. Like so yeah. I it's a rough arc. It doesn't help that it's long and really boring, too. Yeah. Yeah, I could not pay attention during this one. Mm-hmm. I this think- is also probably a good time to bring up that in arc three, there is also sister-sister incest. The reason that Kuroko went to the Virginal Rose cult is because one of her girlfriend's friends had been like, my sister has been inducted into this cult and I'm really worried about her. Will you go check on her? And Kuroko's like, yes, of course. And then once she saves the sister from the cult, she then has a threesome with the person she saved and her sister. Um, I'm so sorry to bring that back up. (laughs) Yeah. That shit. That shit sucks. For me, I was able to block that out because I was like, oh, like... 
It was just them thanking her. Maybe they just did stuff to Kuroko. I don't have to think about it. Whereas this, they're like, it's explicit. Like the, yeah. the one sister, it's like her whole personality is like, I want to bang my sister. And I'm like, I hate it here. I hate it here. I hate it I here. Hate it here. I also yeah. just could not pay attention, like I said before. Another dud. Another dud. The police Another stuff dead. is just rough. The ne- so the next arc, I mean, it has a benefit in that it's short. It introduces probably the only good guy character. I think the arc 12 is kind of sick. I really enjoyed this one, actually. It helps that actually it's short, too. So it's like short and sweet. Like it's what the deep one and the one after it should have been. And that it's like, it's not amazing, but it's it's pretty good. But it introduces the only good man. In the world. Uh, no, this show. <laughs> who is Shio's, like, returning bodyguard. I think he's coming back from prison, I believe. But his name is Zenpachi. He fucking rocks. He always wears heels. And he uses them to fight. And he's fucking awesome. He's, like, really oh, yeah. fun, cool character. I know that Chio's from a Yakuza family, so we have to include, like, some Yakuza tropes. But I really feel like this, like, arc touches a lot on the Yakuza video game franchise and draws a lot oh, on that absolutely. for reference. Like, it's very absolutely. clear that Zenpachi is, like, a Kiryu, like, archetype. And then there's also, like, the guy who's been waiting to fight him this whole time because he's in love with him. Like, yes. are you kidding me? <laughs> That is like 100% a Majima parallel as well. Oh my god, he's he literally said step on me. He did. <laughs> yes. And that's ex- that's yes. Majima's whole kink is being stepped on. Yeah, this is another arc too where I'm like I got to give a little cred to the author because it's like I don't know, like it's really cool to include like a guy character who's like yeah, I'm fighting in heels and I'm kind of like a peacock style guy and like everybody is like you're so cool like even in i think there's like one or two of the guy cops like what the hell's going on here but everybody else is like you're so cool chio is like you're my big brother i love you you're awesome um as we've mentioned the villain of this arc his name is hazuki and he has a a sexual interest in fighting zenpachi and it's like the only way he can get it up. Um, so he's like obsessed yeah. with him. Again, that There's literally lots of graphic is boner canonic shots. Majima character. <laughs> <trait>. <laughs> There's lots oh of like God. graphic boner shots, which okay, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, the funniest one is when he he goes to get his haircut. And then he thinks about the guy while he's in the barber chair, but he has the smock over him. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I can't get up because I have a boner. And so he just tells the hairdresser that his legs fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of boner humor that, in this arc, which you don't usually really get in a Yuri. Don't yeah. usually get in a Yuri, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can imagine some 30-year-old guy open up, opening up whatever young whatever young gong gong young gong and going like boners what's going on (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's a a good arc yet again i think the fact that it's short and sweet helps it from going on too long and zimpachi's a great character yeah um we also get as mentioned the girl from the swordswoman arc appears and that's when we get her sister yet again possessing her they fight really briefly yes so that (laughs) i think that will show up in future arcs i'm guessing she's like been added to the little catalog of like characters that will continue showing up girlies we can pop in for a minute Mm-hmm. Aiko is also kind of a sister figure for her, and Aiko is, of course, kind of important. So it's great because Aiko basically shows up, and Kuroko has like kind of been adopting all these girls, but she's just like fucking horrible. And like, yeah. also, one thing that we 
haven't really touched on yet is that with Hinako and Rinko, she explicitly is like, yeah, I want to like raise them to be like serial killers and also my girlfriends. Like she basically says that. Oh, which is, she, yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is pretty horrible. Like, and yet again, with the whole Kuroko going, I never forced myself on anybody. It's, yeah. it's something that's like, you didn't have to include this. Like, just have her banging milfs. Like, there's no she way to is- say this. Like, I don't <laughs> mind her being moderately creepy or, like, a wooga to, like, yeah. other grown women. It's, like, can be kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But this shit is just, like, it, it It turns it from, like, a fun character quirk in this horrible, edgy manga to, like, something that's, like, actually upsetting. Which yeah. is yeah. kind of a bummer. Kind of a bummer. Kuroko needs to take the MILF Hunter moniker from Young Gravy for herself. <laughs> yeah. She needs to kill Young Gravy and become the MILF Hunter. Yes. I think it would just yes. be so much funnier if Kuroko was like constantly lusting over Hinako's mom who she murdered. If she was like, oh, I wish I hadn't <laughs> that would killed be your mom. So like, oh <laughs> like, I think your mom so should be such better. a great rack. Yeah. Oh, that would have been so good. Honestly, we might get that. I would not put it past the manga cut to include that. Yeah, I do yeah. think that there is, like, I don't want to give the writer of this manga, like, too much credit. Any credit. But it does seem like they did kind of drop, for the most part, the, like, lusting after Rinko stuff. So maybe yeah. he decided that he didn't want to do that. Like, yeah. Like, fingers crossed. Well, we, uh, so the Rinko thing and the Hinako thing, I think I mentioned yeah. in the beginning. Initially, they have weird tension where it seems like Kuroko's kind of, like, into Hinako, even though she's a middle schooler. So both yeah. of those happen in, like, the first 15 chapters, and it gets completely dropped. And Hinako's yeah. even, like, somebody's, like, Hinako has, like, a friend who's sort of, is, like, a consistent character. Um, I believe her name is Yasuha. Um, just, like, a nice girl who's, like, friends with Hinako from middle school. And basically is, like, what is Kuroko to you? And Hinako's, like, she's, like, my uncle, aunt, sister, brother, dad, mom. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's just, it becomes dysfunctional but, like, familial. Yeah. Yeah. And I think basically, yet again, don't want to give the author any credit, but I'm hoping he kind of backed off of that kind of shit and was like, it's more interesting to have it be like this weird mentor-mentee relationship. And that's actually Aiko coming in and being a genuinely positive influence on Rinko, kind, loving, encouraging her to like not always use violence, is then a really interesting contrast in the next arc, because Kuroko's basically like, Yet again, luckily they dropped the, like, sexual grooming stuff, but Kuroko's definitely like, you're my killing protege, let's get you a new killer outfit, here's new blades, like, murder people. Um, Whereas Aiko's like, what is actually going to fulfill you, what's going to make you happy, Uh, all this kind of interesting stuff. So it's like, it creates this very interesting, like, fight between, uh, and there's not actually explicitly a fight, but it's sort of like a contrast between these two older female figures in Rinko's life, a, a girl who murdered her own mom, between, like, the kind of life paths she could take, which yeah. is a huge theme of the final arc that has been translated to English. And probably, it's very hard, but I would actually consider this my favorite arc. Um, mm. It is titled Punishing Love. So basically, it's a very Rinko-focused arc. Her past comes back to haunt her. Um, she's trying to adjust to a semi-normal life at school. There's a very funny, like, mini little arc that happens where she befriends this girl in school, and due to some very cute misunderstandings, her classmate believes that Rinko has a crush on her friend, but she actually has a crush on this friend. It's like, everybody's, like, little yeah. lesbians. It's very cute, but it's, that's, that's wrapped up pretty cutely, but it's like, it's, it seems like almost like a very wholesome school arc, but quickly, uh, there's a new transfer student. Her name is Noelle. She's very cute, and she and Rinko immediately have, like, a very cute baby crush connection, like, baby's first crush. 
And things, unfortunately, get pretty dark fast because Noelle is kidnapped by a man. Um, and the man, it's this, it's this older guy who actually recently lost his daughter to a serial killer we saw back in arc four. So the, uh, homeless man who was, uh, killing girls when he realized that they weren't his girl that gave him the candy. His daughter was one of the many victims. So kind of an interesting humanizing moment where realizing that like every victim had family member who was grieving. So he's unfortunately kind of doing the same shit and that he's finding girls and being like, are you my daughter? Or like basically forcing them to play the role of his daughter and then killing them when they're unable to do so. So he is repeating the exact same thing that the killer who killed his daughter did. So he kidnaps Noelle. Noelle's basically able to form a sort of connection with him partially because her own father has been murdered kind of recently. And the reveal of the arc is Rinko actually murdered Noelle's father back in her serial killer phase. I mentioned that she particularly targeted very functional, happy families, and she would particularly focus on the fathers. Rinko realizes halfway through the arc that she killed Noelle's father. She like goes to Noelle's house and sees his picture and like has like a trauma flashback of him, her murdering him and just absolutely loses it. Uh, it's implied that she's going to try and kill herself. It's just very, very horrible. She has a, a breakdown that only Aiko is able to really help her get out of. Um, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, Noelle being kidnapped by the serial killer of this arc also kind of helps push her out of that. Luckily, Noelle is able to sort of form a bond with, with this killer and there's basically a big confrontation where Ringo gets like a new sort of, I don't want to call it a superhero outfit. It's a fighter outfit and a new pair of blades. And she basically saves Noelle, comes clean and says, I'm the one who murdered your father. Um, Noelle had actually realized this because as Rinko is saving her, she sort of recognizes Rinko's cleaned up, but still very distinct get up. And Noelle basically says, well, my dad would have wanted me to be happy and I don't really understand what's going on, but I I really like you and I think you're not a bad person. So they make up and are now dating, (laughs) which is which is pretty bananas. But and it sounds so bizarre. I think it really works when you read it. It, Yeah, it's fine. It's like, I mean, the two of them being best friends slash dating is like in the same vein as chibi moon and hotaru or sailor saturn right it's oh, like yeah. we're just it's all coming girls. back to sailor moon it is it's all, all coming, coming back, back to, to sailor, sailor moon. moon yeah so that is the final arc that has been published in english so far yeah so and it's amazing that it, you know it's left off not even mid-arc like yeah. fully concluded arc so i'm excited to see what comes next i will no I am scared. I am scared. <laughs> I'm excited. I think it could. I think it could be good. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Who knows? All right. So that was quite a bit long summary. Lot to get into. Is there anything just general? So there's a lot we skipped over because there's lots of little moments. The little mm-hmm. makes all have their own little fun things. Is there anything I didn't touch on in the summary that you guys wanted to talk about? I think that this manga strikes a really good balance of like the serious and horror and crime fighting things. And the way that it does this is by like giving Hinako her own subplots in every arc. Like basically while Kuroko is out fighting criminals, Hinako is like, all right, I'm going to go make some sushi. I'm going to the aquarium today. (laughs) (laughs) And so you get all of this kind of fun stuff peppered in with almost every arc. There are a few arcs that are just more, you know, drama focused. But for the most part, it's it's a pretty good balance, which makes it really easy and quick to read, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. and makes it so that it never really feels like too much. 
The funniest Hinako subplot, in my opinion, is the one where, like, uh, so Rosemary is in the sewers, and so uh, <laughs> they're like, okay, we got to go to the sewers, and Hinako's like, no, that the sewers stink. I'm not going with you. And so she gets $300, and then she gets to eat really expensive sushi and go to the pool, and <laughs> so you, like, cut in between, like her eating this like expensive sushi and and like Kuroko and crawling them through having the to sewer yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's that hilarious. that happens in a, a lot of the arcs though like i feel like it also happened in some of the earlier ones too yeah, yeah especially like just, just always engaging in goofs the castle yeah, I, arc which was just like the very first <laughs> arc right like where yeah. she's trying to break yeah. in yeah that's that one's also so good yeah i think it was the like difference between like oh, no, I'm going to get, like, my blood drained in a sewer versus the, like, we're having fun at a theme park. And <laughs> that really got to me, uh, as opposed to just, like, like here's what's happening inside the castle. Like, here's what's happening outside the castle. Yes. It's a little silly. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I want to touch on is, so, like I mentioned, there's so many characters that we haven't even talked about. A lot, I would say a good of chunk um, are kind of forgettable. A couple of them appear consistently, but basically for, like, very consistent gags usually sexually themed for example there's one girl who is hinako's classmate who her name's yukina her literally only purpose is to show up and piss herself like every other arc about like she shows up and like basically like gets really upset and like graphically pees herself and i'm like okay like she shows up and i literally have like dread in my heart she's like a little she's a distinct little haircut little bun and i'm like oh no it's the pee girl fuck because <laughs> you never know when she's gonna pee herself but she will you know every she single will. time she shows up she is about to pee yeah yeah just Ooh, very rough. rough and i'm like yeah. okay i'm unhappy that you're catering to that fetish and i have to witness it yeah mm-hmm. um else? i think that there are a lot of stereotypes about manga and anime including themes about like incest and strange kink and blah 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 and i think that that is true in a lot of series and i think that in mercy alago it really is true like you just have to kind of accept that that's going to be a part of it if you want to read it you know yeah and that's something Mm -hmm. that i wouldn't ask of many people but if you already like the genre you know i think it's a good good pick this is like a funny aside i guess but there's one character that's introduced very early on and then only shows up once again because the author apparently does not know how to draw her and it's because she's like not a skinny person i forgot about this yeah she's the really cool autopsy scientist right no so there's the autopsy scientist who is the one who like she actually oh, no, does the thing, autopsies, right? and she's the one that is always like, Kuroko, lick this liquor off of my boob. Yeah. No, no, this is a, yeah, this <laughs> but is, this like, is, she's, yeah, this the, is so, right? she's like the head of forensics, is, I think. Yeah, she is the crime labs division head, uh, yes. Izuru. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, yeah. Okay, now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> the depictions of her are body horror in themselves. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's like i it was so disappointing for me because she shows up and it's a shot of her sitting in a chair you know like like three-fourths view like very standard pose for a person and you're i'm like wow wow wee wah look at this hottie woman awooga <laughs> awooga and then every other like depiction of her is just the author did not know how to draw a plus-sized woman and it just looks so weird <laughs> 
And it sucks because she's, like, actually a cool character and he gives her moderately cool stuff to do. Like, she's clearly confident in her job and people respect her. But especially facially. He clearly is like, what, I can't just give her the same face as everybody? Uh, Like, and just... Yeah. I'm gonna draw her so it looks like there's always something in her cheeks because apparently I've never met a plus-sized person. Very It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Mercy Alago is a manga that I feel like has a lot of alignment with some pretty mainstream manga that are coming out right now. And unfortunately, a lot of shit that I personally have not been reading, but that has been mm. on my to read list for a really long time. And also, unfortunately, stuff that is not lesbian. <laughs> but it's just like, this is like kind of a lesbian twist on the genre, right? Yeah. Mm. There's nothing really like this. There really yeah. is not. But like yeah. we mentioned earlier, Dodo Hidoro is one. Honestly, I feel like prison school. <laughs> I haven't read I prison school, that. but prison I school don't know that like one. oh oh my god, it was so popular in like 2012. I want to say to like 2014, Ooh. like right when right, right when Marcielago started, it was very popular. But it's just like horny violence, and they're all in prison and in prison school. I right. don't know how to all describe right. it other than that. But one mainstream, very, very mainstream series that has lesbian rep that I would love to talk about on the podcast at some point is Chainsaw Man. Um, and the anime is yeah. just starting in like a few weeks as well. I've been I've been waiting to, for the anime because I've heard good things, but I didn't really feel motivated to read the manga. So no huge spoilers. I do know about the lesbian who has like the four demon girlfriends. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that that was part of the reason I was like, I should check that out. Also, the gatekeep gaslight girl boss lady who everyone likes with the red hair. I, I don't, I know she's not a lesbian, but like the main woman or something. Yes. I don't know. Mich- I don't Mich- know Mich- Makima. Yeah. Makima. But anyway, uh. yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you think it has a similar vibe to Mercy Lago? Uh, yeah. That's, that's kind of the vibe that I get is that it's kind of like the same unhinged, like, wild absurdities because i mean kamani is a chainsaw for a head <laughs> um but i mean also the whole plot is that he like has to run around and like track down criminals and kill them um oh. i was talking with my partner about it and they were like yeah but we don't respect him because he's a simp and he sucks <laughs> and i was like well yeah but also kudoko low-key she is also a simp and she sucks so it kind it's of actually is simpler <laughs> Also, one manga that I was thinking about when I was reading this was Frank and Fran, which is one that I have not finished. But do, are either of you familiar with Frank and Fran? No. No. Um, so it's like basically a series of one shots that are all tied together by the titular character, Frank and Fran. Her whole thing is that she is like a Frankenstein's monster. And all of the stories are about like collecting body parts or about like some sort of surgical body horror and it has kind of similar art to Murcielago and the same level of just like unhinged derangedness you know damn okay so I feel like if you are into Murcielago you would probably also like Frank and Fran even even though it's not like to my knowledge a lesbian piece of media but the same level of derangedness Yeah, and speaking of, I think before this episode, and I didn't do very good research, sorry about this, but we were sort of talking and we were like, what, what's the female assassin? Like, 
there's a good amount of media with female assassins mm-hmm. in it, especially recently. We were like, are there any, are there, is there much lesbian assassin rap? Or like, or woman loving woman assassin rap, I guess it doesn't have to be lesbian. But like, yeah. what's, what is the, and obviously Killing Eve is, <laughs> yeah, is oh, like, no. oh, is right. Are you kidding me? Oh. <laughs> but you have to admit, it's like, at least it, it, it is what it is. And it, it, it has a, a woman assassin who is interested in women. And it was really hard of me to think of other examples. I'm a gamer girl. There's been a couple Assassin's Creed games recently where you can play as a female assassin who, like, collects girlfriends. You can be, in one of them, you can, like, have a Greek pirate ship that's literally, like, just run by all the women you romance. So you can have, like, a full pirate squad of, like, girlfriends. Very fun. Mm -hmm. In the Viking one, you can steal your brother's wife. Great stuff. And you're an assassin. yeah. Yeah. You're an assassin. So, but it was really hard of me to think of other examples. I don't know if you guys knew of any more I, I mean there's also like bisexual Catwoman, right that's true but other mm-hmm. than that i mean it's it's surprisingly limited rep i i was just googling for like lesbian assassin films and the only thing that came up is thelma which isn't even like an exact match i haven't personally seen thelma but it's been on my to watch list for a long time wait are you talking about the one? It's like Northern European. With yes, the girl it's who it's Norwegian. Powers? Yes, yeah, and Norwegian, she, yeah. yeah, she like develops powers after she like gets a crush on one of her classmates, and then yeah, I think she happens. uses her magical powers to like kill people. But that's more like horror related than it is like actual assassin content. You know, it's not yeah. like I am I'm hired to kill people. Media mm-hmm. like villain villain. I mean, Killing Eve is it, unfortunately. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, so good until the last five minutes. Well, the entirety of season four sucks, but to be fair, a plot point in Killing Eve is Eve being like, "There's not a lot of female assassins," so <laughs> that is true, actually. Well, I think most female assassins are very like like the Marvel character Black Widow based, where they're like, "Oh, yeah. like I'm entr- I'm enchanting men with, and like that's how I get them to like let their guard down, and then I kill." Yeah, them. the honey yeah. trap. And there's lots of like women too, and like media assassin women are very like I am totally down to like suspend disbelief, but lots of them they're doing things physically that I'm like, and and the actresses are normally like very thin models mm-hmm. who are clearly not built for the kind of shit that they should be able to do and yeah. it's kind of like eye rolly in that it's like all right you just i mean like i love seeing hot ladies beat people up but if you're going for at least a semblance of realism what is your problem with having a hot buff lady yeah that's that part of it doesn't bother me so much like the the realism aspect because mm-hmm. i know people bring this up in for black widow in marvel of being like which is she can't do a backflip and it is annoying because like literally in the shots, it'll be Black Widow, mm-hmm. and then it'll switch to her stunt double, which is very yes. obviously like a man in a wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think of something like Xena with Lucy Lawless, and they got a stunt double that like looks very similar to her, so you can't like tell between shots, which mm-hmm. is just like thumbs up. But yeah, why not make her buff? Why not have her be buff? Yeah. Buff women. Yep. Need be for me. Yeah. <laughs> for me, please. <laughs> 
I will also note when I was looking uh, on Murcielago's my anime list because there's a section where people can provide recommendations. Like if you liked this, you should check out this. I did find two series that I am interested in reading that may or may not be lesbian assassin manga. I know that they're both okay. about two duos of female assassins. No clue okay. if they are like dating or what is going on there. But one of them is Destro Two Forty Six by Keitaro Takahashi, and the other one is just called Trash, with a period mark at the end, by Kenji Yamamoto. <laughs> it's for me. It's made for me. Um, and both of them, written by men, uh, both of them considered to be, like, etchy or, like, mm. sexualized, but not quite porn. I am interested <laughs> in reading them good. just to see how they go. Trash looks particularly yeah. interesting because it ran for 11 volumes for, like, yeah. six years, and um, it is about two assassins who like work in the underworld together. And that one does see it does seem like they are dating, but I'm not entirely sure. So again, have not read. The cover has the two of them and they have their arms wrapped around each other. And then they're both holding out weapons like towards the viewer. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'll take what I can get. I'll take what I can get is all I'll say. Yeah, I will yeah. say TV tropes. I just searched for gay and lesbian not a single mention on their page so mm. normally you would at least get one gay trope but yeah one of the tropes that is mentioned though is boobs of steel <laughs> a good one that's a good one <laughs> at least you have that going yes this is true but yeah industro 246 is seven volumes i really don't know much about it other than that i think it, it is another seinen female assassin manga so could really go either way could be good or could be completely awful who knows i am gonna check them both out but i don't know that we'll ever get around to doing either of them on gay skies so let me know how it goes i am interested yeah for sure we'll do yeah as a warning to you right now it does mention that there's a bunch of sexual assault in trash uh, well, another series that I was thinking of that I haven't read to completion, but I have read quite a lot of, um, is Bambi and Her Pink Gun. Have you have either mm. of you heard of this? No. no. This is, like, incredibly sick, and I would recommend checking it out, but it's been 10 years since I read it. Um, and again, I read the first two volumes because the first two volumes got an English release, and the last four volumes were never officially translated because it, like, I guess it didn't sell super well, which is sad because the physical releases are, like, these beautiful pink risograph prints. They're, like, incredible. Ooh. Yeah, they're, they're, like, the physical copies are really nice. Cool. But it is about a 16-year-old punk girl named Bambi, who is, like, low-key like tank girl-esque vibes Ooh. and um uh, like every scene has like a different style that's informed by american cinema so there's like western arcs um like 40s mafia arcs uh traditional japanese cinema arcs as well and also a lot of it is inspired by the sex pistols as well it's very interesting but bambi her whole thing is just that she kills people and she loves running around murdering people and she like kidnaps a young boy and like takes him around with her and they get into mischief together okay so i can see where the vibes are somewhere i really yeah like, i'm i'm that sounds yeah. awesome yeah bambi and her pink gun Fun. is pretty cool i want to now that i've like re-remembered it i want to go back and read it in full and like read the volumes that never got actually an american release love some unhinged women if they can't be gay at least make them unhinged i wish i could buy the manga i remember i read it I read my ex's copies 
And at the time that she had them, it was like, you could not find them anywhere. Like you could find like each, each volume was selling for like a couple hundred dollars. And then I think that like kind of the trend and like information about it kind of wore off. So now you can pick up each of the, each of the volumes that have been published for like 30 bucks each, but I still don't know Mm -hmm. if I'm down to drop $60 on an unfinished book series, (laughs) even if it is a very cool one with like very cool printing. But yeah. Anyway, that's that. Murcielago, good. Murcielago, yeah, yeah. crazy, but good. At this point, you usually are like, do you recommend it or not? And honestly, if you, I think a great thing to say is like, if you look at the content warnings we gave and you're like, all right, I'm ready, and and you really think you are ready, you will enjoy this a lot. It is a really yeah. good roller coaster. But know that we are not, these are, those content warnings are not for like casual mentions of all those things. Like they happen a lot. It's yes. pretty frequent. So if you if you can handle that, then I think you'll have a good time. But it, there's just something that's gonna upset everybody in this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're if you're prepared for that, and it, I I think it's worth it. I would recommend it honestly. If you're, you know what? There's so much batshit yaoi in the world. We need more batshit yuri. <laughs> that's and exactly. I think really yeah, it. you fucking said <laughs> you it. Nailed it. <laughs> you got it. That's yes. that's one hundred percent it. Like if you mm-hmm. are the, t- I I have friends that are like, why is it that I can like play dramatical murder? The sweet pool exists, and yet, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> and yet there's nothing of comparable value for the lesbians out here. This yeah. is like Murcielago is for you. Yeah, we're like yeah. inching closer towards that territory right with Mercia Lago exactly. so I yeah exactly. I would 100% recommend it it's not as unhinged as a Nitro Plus Chiral visual novel yes. but it is good <laughs> yes exactly yeah. exactly all the content warnings that we mentioned they're everywhere mm-hmm. but at least like with as we mentioned with like the incest stuff at least you can just kind of like leave your body a little pages bit. Yeah. like very yeah. quickly like exactly it's not a lot of it isn't plot important yeah mm-hmm. i think the one thing is that like if you don't like reading media or like watching media that is male gazy don't even touch <laughs> yeah. this one that's the one yeah. thing this that really is very male gazy yeah, well, thank you so much for recommending this and coming on the podcast to talk about it and writing the summary. Yeah, thank Holy you for being shit. the most prepared guest on Gay's Gay's History. Thank you. Yeah, I felt like I kind of like commandeered the episode, but it was really fun. I was very excited. Jenny, to I'm so glad that you did. You did such an excellent job. A plus. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> God, I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was, I'm again, very happy to be on. Yeah. Yes, please come back. Send us another recommendation whenever you feel ready to take this on again. I would love Honestly, it. too, if you find a batshit Yuri that you don't have a guest for, I'd love to be introduced to more stuff. Anything like okay. this. If you know? I, yes, if I find something, I will 100% hit you up. Jenny, would you like to let uh, the listeners know where they could find you? Yes, I actually um, don't have much social media. Do not follow me on anything, but please do. Give a listen to my podcast that I run with other guests of the podcast, uh, of this podcast, um, Ellie. Um, so we have our Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Battle City Broad, or you can find us on Spotify, Anchor, other podcast platforms with the title Battle City Broads. Um, we're about to get into a really fun arc of Yu-Gi-Oh! So if you're into that at all, have any childhood nostalgia, please check us out. It's a fun time for everyone. Yes. And I really appreciate you guys letting me come on here. It was super fun. I'm so glad that you had fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Mm-hmm. 
I have no idea what we're doing next week. Um, we're oh, doing yeah, we're doing May with hoops. I'm so excited. I haven't seen May and I'm so ready. May is like crazy Amelie. So, oh hell yeah, uh, Amelie. She's Amelie? like her whole thing. She's the trailer. It's like she's just a funny girl with crazy habits and niche interests. Until one day, she meets the perfect woman and decides she must cannibalize her. And it's like, oh my, oh god. my god. <laughs> girlfriend with a spoon yes literally i need my girlfriend with a spoon full on wow yeah um i'm excited to watch it's it apparently it's one of hoops's favorite movies of all time and i have been putting off watching it but i'm very interested so well anyway thank you so much for listening if you feel like it you can follow us on twitter at gaze gaze and there you can tweet with us and see our updates on our latest episodes Also, if you like this podcast, please tell your friends about it. We would really appreciate that, along with a follow or like on your favorite podcast app. If you like, you can email us at erin at gazegaze.com for thoughts, ideas, and recommendations. We are still doing the thing where if you email us, we will send you a mystery attachment. It's not ominous. It's just a. <laughs> it's a funny photo. It's okay. It's gonna be I swear. a, a handcrafted, personalized meme made by yeah. one of the errands. I've yeah. I've received one as part of the preparation for this episode. Me <laughs> lusting after my beautiful butch sniper wife Rako. Oh, yeah. uh, oh uh, so would did. recommend. Would recommend. Yeah. Wow. We did make you. um a Rako live Jenny reaction. <laughs> <meme>. <laughs> <laughs> many thanks to kate and leslie of neon and nude for allowing us to use their songs look in love and you pretty thing for our intro and our outro music you can and should buy their album at neonandnude.bandcamp.com but you can also stream it on spotify next week we're going to be doing may and hoops will be guest starring yes so, i'm so yay. excited returning Woo. guest hoops but yeah until next week i'm erin and i'm erin and I'm Jenny. <laughs> and we're and, gay. And we're all gay. We are. Yeah. We are. It's true. It's true. Okay. Bye. That's all. Bye. Bye. If you love us.